In this episode of the Equity, Disproportionality, and Design podcast, we interview Jeremy Sautel of Shasta County Office of Education and Nick Sirist of Shasta Selpa. We talk about the importance of vulnerability and collaboration, taking on a mindset of experimentation, and what it means to be in a support network for our local districts. For more information about the Equity, Disproportionality, and Design project, please visit our website at equityindesign.com. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the ED&D podcast. I am Ryan Estriado, and I'm here with two of my teammates, executive consultant Marcus Jackson. Marcus, how's it going? Going great, Ryan. Good. And I'm here also with executive consultant Olivia Rivera. Olivia, how are you? Hi, everyone. Doing great. Good. Okay, so I'm excited about, actually, I've been excited about this one for a while. Um, and it's because we, at ED&D, we do a lot of, of creating our services with other people outside of our own project. And that's, that's like the secret sauce. That's kind of you know, the, the way that we do it. And like anything that you do over and over again, you, you start to learn the nuances of, of doing that thing. And so when we collaborate, what we've learned is there's a couple of things that, that come up. One is that you got to be vulnerable. And the other is that um, you've got to take on a, sp- a spirit of experimentation and not be afraid to try some new things to learn from it. And so, um, so we want to talk and explore collaboration and those two things today. And um, here to talk with us about that today are two of our own favorite collaborators, uh, Jeremy Sautel is the Director of Specialized Student Support at the Shasta County Office of Ed. Jeremy, how are you? I'm doing very well. Very thrilled to be here. I am too. I am too. And also here with us today is Nick Sirius, the Support Service uh, Support Services Consultant at Shasta County, Selpa. Nick, how's it going? Hi. Very happy to be here. Thank you. Cool. Thank you for being here. So in a little bit, um, we're going to jump into a couple of the projects that y'all are working on. But first, I uh, wanted to, to build some background for the listeners. One of the things that, that we learned as we talk to folks is people don't. So we are uh, the Equity Disproportionality and Design Project, but we're located in the South County Selpa. And um, we were just talking about this earlier that we're always surprised when we talk with folks that we've worked with for so long who still don't know what a Selpa is or what a county office is or, you know, what, or what it does. So um, before we jump into your projects, um, I wanted to spend some time talking about what county offices and SELPAs do, what your roles are in a county office and uh, the SELPA, and then just like how, what your journey was like and how you found uh, yourself, how you found yourself in, in those jobs. So Jeremy, kick us off. That is a, a novel in itself of a, an answer, but... Honestly, um, really blessed to be in the position I'm in. Um, I, I feel it's pretty rare at this point. Um, not a lot of mine in, in other county offices. I'm the inclusion specialist in, in a real sense of just how do I best support districts and schools with equity, with inclusive practices. Um, I mean, that's, that's one of the hats. Um, 
as we know in education, there's always lots of variables, lots of different things that you need to learn and, and be able to provide support with. And so my wheelhouse really is um, how can I just help teachers and, and administrators better serve all their students? So that's my, my role here um, within county and then also within the GeoLead to help coordinate some of those program services um, within other counties and learn, learn from our neighbors and, and really that collaborative process. So pretty awesome within, within GeoLead. Um, I, I'm again, blessed with the, the community we're in with the other counties. We, we seem to work together pretty well and, and love always catching up and, and talking with um, everybody on those calls. But background is in um, special education. Um, primarily uh, got my start with a lot of my caseload having students who have emotional disturbance, uh, transition programs, uh, more moderate severe um, programs as well. And so all the way from there to an EL specialist for a district to a um, to RSP teacher to SDC to sports coach to whatever my hand was raised and and <laughs> I did um, so I, I really I, I I gotta say I mean coming from the school site to the county it's a different view. Um, especially working with you guys and other other state agencies it's so many passionate people who are in different positions with different backgrounds who are still just as enthusiastic as they would be sitting across the desk helping a kid with homework i mean we it's just this amazing amazing community of educators um across the board so yeah and background in special education, now to county office, now to trying to work with Nick all the time. And that's a whole job in itself. <laughs> what about you, Nick? How'd you, uh, how'd you find yourself in your role? Um, that's a, that's kind of a long story too. I, I feel like I've been walking backwards through a lot of getting into education from the very beginning. Um, and, and I'm very thankful for that, uh, for where it's ended up, but I'm, I moved out to California about 13 years ago and I uh, was doing this and that for a while, and and uh, while I was in grad school, my wife had started teaching, and so because of classes and things like that, I I did some substitute teaching and kind of got into it and thought it was great, and um, after school, moved away from it, and then was not feeling the reward that I feel is important to get from a place you spend eight hours a day or more in, um, so kind of drifted back into education. Uh, again, starting out as a substitute teacher, um, and then got a got a call from a principal about a twenty day assignment in a in a SDC class that I never had no exposure to, no reference point, no idea what I was doing, and um, and took it and it kind of just opened my eyes. And a lot of this story is just my eyes opening throughout it. Um, Open my eyes up to that world and that population and the and what an honor and a pleasure it is to work there in the, in that space and so decided to get a teaching credential and, and ended up having my own classroom for several years. Now I work at the SELPA, which is kind of the next rung in my eyes opening up. I feel like I feel like somebody always sort of showed me like you think you think this view is cool. Come check it out from the from the you know. From up here and you can see even 
Because now, like Jeremy was saying, I go around to different schools, I see different programs, I see different, um, all of the fantastically talented educators uh, in the county, all of the administrators and their challenges. It's, it's really interesting and it's really fun. And, and I think that's a really good point you were saying about not a lot of people know what a SELPA is. I didn't when I very first started. Um, years you know several years ago and so what in a nutshell it's kind of like the county office for special ed right um but there's there's other sides to that um there's a little bit of compliance my my biggest thing is is the fact that there's no angle or agenda other than phone rings what can i do to help you like that's it that's so great that's such a wonderful place to be coming from all the time um and it just makes great relationships it makes great partnerships in the county and then sort of the next rung up of being able to see even further is working with other selfless especially especially you guys um it's just been an absolute joy because i think that's piggybacking again on what you're saying jeremy i was a little concerned that the further you get from the classroom you just start ending up in these cyclical meetings about other things, right? And yet there are so many people that don't necessarily work in a classroom with kids every day that are still totally passionate about that, that side, that teaching and the progress of students and what's best for them. Uh, so to have found those two is, is magic. It's total magic. I don't know if I answered all five of your questions. I really don't, but and yeah, I like and I, <laughs> let me know. Our, our dynamic has been um, within this year. So I'm professional learning um, and, and really that, that PD side of things and, and consultation within that. And he's SELPA, but we can come pro approach our projects, approach everything um, from both sides of the county. And so Selpa work, my work, and, and it really overlaps. And it's just been, it's an amazing model um, to be able to kind of see both viewpoints. If we are going into inclusion, he's really can have that, that strong mindset of compliance. I can have a strong mindset of instructional practices and systems. And it's just, it, it comes together and it's just been a blast. So super uh, fun. yeah, we, we like what we do. Super fun. You know, that's something that I noticed right away when when we first met y'all is I, before I learned what your actual job titles were, y'all work in partnerships so well that I just assumed you worked on the same team and then learned later that you're in different departments, which is, that's kind of a fascinating thing because I don't, you know, I'm thinking about it right now. Certainly, you know, we have a, also have a good relationship with our county office, but the cultures are kind of different and sort of, some, you know, some of the goals are different. The procedures are different. Those aren't bad things, but, but they are, you can kind of tell that, you know, that we're, you know, that we are different. And when we met you, it like that, I didn't feel like that any of that sort of separation was there. And so was that, is that by design, like the Shasta sort of make it like that? Is that a feat or is that a feature of, of your individual personalities and maybe overlap in interest yeah i i really see it as as a factor um within nick and i coming from 
just the the why of why we do this. Um, pretty aligned there. The conversations we've had about what do we hope to achieve in our roles? What are we what are we doing in our positions? Um, again, a lot of alignment there, and so it's it's whatever's needed at that point to establish strong relationships to be able to guide whatever is needed. Um, but also our, our culture at our county office is very strong with just innovation. Um, and I think that that lends itself to the way that we in, interact is we have a lot of green light with, okay, we've established our core values as an organization. We have looked into um, kind of our parameters of where we operate. And then the rest of it's just what can we do to serve? And that mindset of service and the mindset of innovation really brings an alignment in, in how we approach things. Um, and that's seen in, in various departments of our organization. It's seen in just the way we've approached different um, projects that we have with, with the community. And I think that I can't speak highly enough about our leadership. Um, we have very, I, I, I believe our leadership is about empowerment and just building up a team and, and Nick and I both serve on the leadership team. So we get to kind of hear really from, from that perspective all the way through the ranks of the organization that we're here to serve, what can we do? And uh, <laughs> that was, I mean, that it's, it's just a, a, lot of, a lot of support. Yeah, um, that's a powerful insight, uh, Jeremy. You guys mentioned that there are people just as passionate about working at the county office as the, the ones that work directly in the school site. Um, that means a lot. And that's also tied into um, understanding that there's an inspiration that brings them there. So and if we were to ask you, like, what is your inspiration? The aspiration we've got... Um... And again, coming coming back to Nick and I and our our conversations, um, we have a lot. I mean, we have an extremely high rate of aces, um, ace scores in our community. With it's very apparent we have national studies coming through saying, "Wow, Shasta County, you guys are kind of off the charts in some of these areas." We have, I mean, kind of factor after factor, rural community, not a lot of resources um, to speak of. And when we when we really dig into the demographic of our area and and who who our clientele is, who we serve, it really takes that lens away from we're just in this to um, fully support students who have disabilities. And even with Nick's work, his, his voice on that is how can we help everybody? How are we in this as a community? We really come back to that community approach. And when we've got that community mindset, when we have that heart for the our neighbors in the area um, we know a lot of our neighbors in the area um, it helps us to give give that lens of equity and we need we need to provide some better opportunities um, with whatever resources we've got available and that that leaves you to be pretty creative and so I think again that comes back to that spirit of innovation we've got to be creative to tackle some of the things that we face Say more about for the audience what, what an ACE score is. So an ACE score, um, really looking at just different levels, and I'm, I'm definitely uh, one who is not 
the full expert on, on the theory and everything behind it. But I do know um, different traumatic events and different factors in our lives attribute to how we develop and how we view life, how we respond, our level of um, just not not saying like a, a disadvantage, but we do have different barriers and challenges that we're faced with depending on the amount of things that we've we've experienced in our lives, some of these negative events. And so we count those as aces and there's the it's very difficult to go your life without having one ace. So an adverse childhood experience. Um, it's just kind of within what we've, we've established within our society of, of things that happen. But when we have high rates of adverse childhood experiences, it becomes something that directly impacts the level of processing, the level of um, just navigation of life that a child has. And when you see that some of the children in our community have extremely high ACEs at a national level, that right there is for us to be able to say, this isn't us coming through and saying, oh, you've got apathetic students. Oh, they're just a behavior problem. Like we don't, we can't buy that narrative. We say, oh, we've got some, we have some students who have gone through some serious things, um, especially some of our students who, who have disabilities. And when we walk into that lens, it takes everything away from that student who we're saying, it's not, it's not you. Um, we wanna help and we wanna help your community of teachers. We wanna help your families because this is a much larger scale thing that we're dealing with. There's, there's statistics backing that up too. I mean, it, it's, it's just amazing. So it, given your particular ACE score, um, the, the odds of you ending up in one of several places uh, multiply. And so we, we, you know, serious ends up. Um, and so we, we need to take this very, very seriously. and. And, and approach it early and approach it uh, in depth. Yeah, I think that's a really, a really good point. It, you know, it's working as educate educators be for a variety of reasons. There's so much stress involved in getting the job done that you do. I think it is. It, it's easy to. We need reminders that it's like um, you know the hardest challenges that we you know that we try to overcome they're not sort of like personal against us right? it's like these are situations that that um that folks bring to school because they come from all different walks of life and have all kinds of experiences um you know many of which or probably most of which they had no say in um and right. so yeah so it's i think that you know that type of research I think is super important. I also, you know, to me, it goes back to this conversation of like what it's like to work at a county or a self one of these, what I think of as like the outer rings of the system is that because folks like us aren't in the classroom every day, we have a little bit of space to be able to, um, to act as in the most sort of compassionate way and empathetic way possible, act as reminders of like, hey, you know, 
number one, I get what it's like to be in a situation where we're, you're, you're trying to educate students who have a lot of uh, challenges. And, and number two, let's also remember that, you know, that this is stuff that they're, they're bringing with them that kind of, it, it, it makes a different starting line for like every student. Um, you know, one of the things when I think about, we've had at this point, our teams have done um, a few things together, like got together and work on a, on a few things. And, um, and I always enjoy uh, the spirit of, you, you know, we, we just, we just now just got done talking about some very, you know, complicated things that y'all are, are up against in the name of creating good stuff for kids and, you know, and for staff. Um, and those like, those complicated things require creative and and an often complicated solution. So when we get together and you know and and we do work together, I always enjoy y'all's willingness to try something new, even if that means talking through a somewhat strange strange idea, you know, that either I had or any you know anybody else had. That spirit of experimentation is is one of the things I think we enjoy most about working with with both of you and. Um, and I want to know, I want to just dig into that a little bit. Um, and maybe we could start with you, Nick. Like, is that a, do you see that as like a fundamental sort of like personality trait that you bring to the conversation? Is a spirit or is the spirit of experimentation, is that something that you had to like, is that a skill that you had had to learn? Because I noticed it right away, the openness to trying something new. I'm not sure. I feel like what's, what's the harm? And it's a lot of fun. And generally speaking, you know, we're, they're good ideas, at least in on paper. Um, we might accelerate progress a little bit through it. So yeah, give it a give it a kick. See if yep. you start. Jeremy, what about you? Is that is that something that comes naturally to you, or is that something you picked up along the way? I think the more um, I was just talking um, to to our executive director about this, um, just the concept of innovation and he, and it was just down to conversation. Um, we can, we spend and we, we build and we innovate so many things for engagement, so many things to get people engaged in the conversation, to get people's attention, um, whether it's professional development, whether it's teaching and some of the best things and the most memorable things are sitting down and talking things out. You connect with the person you have that experience where, where you, you've got your mirror neurons going, you guys are on the same page, you are just, you're feeling this, and you're in a space where you can be vulnerable, where you can share, and you can, you can really say, oh, you're here with me? Yeah, let's try this. It's not, I'm on my own, spotlight on me. If it works, my job's on the line. Like that, it takes that away because you open up a think tank space. And I think in organizations, the more we can say, hey, this is designated think tank. Anything goes. This is safe. You're, there's no judgment. There's no what ideas did you bring? Is your idea valid? Like it, it's just how can we be able to talk through our, our conversation, really just talk through, have that conversation with established trust, with people we know we can communicate with, and having that that space to just share out. Um, I think it does come back to, especially with Nick and I, we have a lot of people in our corner in our organization who believe that 
we do what we do because of our why. I'm going to, I mean, it's, it really is. We, we share our message. Like we want to do this. We want to do our jobs because we care so much. And when you have that and you lead with that and you lead with your vulnerability of why you're in the position you're in, I think that our colleagues are much more willing to say, yeah, go in a room, talk things out. And if you come out with an idea, we're not going to be skeptical of that. Like we, we know why you went into that. I really appreciate that. I, I mean, I said it like, yeah, let's try it, no problem. But I, I, I do need to take half a second to recognize where that's coming from. And, and if it wasn't for that culture and that sort of place of safety, where if this goes sideways, it is what it is. It was worth a try. Um, without that built into the picture, like you said, if it was me on my own up on the line, yeah, my attitude towards experimentation may uh, temper. Um, Widely, but um, so I, I am really, really thankful for working in a place and with people that that uh, are willing to to create a time and space where whereby uh, think tanking um, is accepted, encouraged, and if it does, if nothing comes out of it, okay, but at least there was an attempt. I've got to speak to your guys's design. I mean, design thinking in itself. When we go in with you at the table, we know there's a high likelihood this idea is not going to work. It's, we're not going to get that intended result, but it's, we tried it and we did it intentionally and we mm -hmm. have your expertise there. So especially design thinking with you guys is like the rock stars of design um, with, that in, with that process. So it's like, oh, we're fair game. We could totally fall flat on our faces, but we're going to have some great data to support why it happened. So yeah, that architecture that's there is really fun to work along, but you guys <laughs> have built that framework. It makes it, uh, gives it kind of a, a line to follow, but it's still um, tons of freedom for whatever creativity you need. Um, but it does make it really, really interesting. <laughs> thank you for that. And I just want to oh, applaud thank you. both of you guys, because we love designing with you. I mean, we just, we feed off of your energy of innovation that just gets us going. We're like, okay, who should we call? Let's call Shasta. <laughs> Let's try this out with them. <laughs> yeah. When COVID's over, we're going to do this in person, you guys. <laughs> we're going to hang out. Yeah. We're gonna... <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Yeah. I can't wait. A mountain of sticky notes. There you go. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, if we, if we go back to our, our first meeting together and just the things you guys uh, were, were talking about, I know you mentioned several times your why. We could see that from that first conversation. And uh, you talked about um, just how important it was to get across your cold community, which really stands out. And I think that that's one of the things that we could relate to. And I think um, just in terms of us uh, sharing it and, and having conversation and, and mentioned before we knew maybe things might not work out but that's part of the building process to trying different things and I think that that is as part of innovation you talk about innovation you don't get innovation without having some trials and tribulations that kind of go through that so I was gonna say we definitely learned a lot from you I mean even in some of the conversations where it's like let's go down to like let's spend 10 minutes on how does this sentence sound that's amazing like I don't know I wouldn't have thought about it ever but let's it will have an effect. Let's definitely thought this, think this through. Um, I really, uh, that, that's been a, a blast for me to learn and, and learn from. So I really do, I'm appreciative. I, 
I do want to add, I think within our field, there's, we have not mastered special education. There is no agreement that over overall we're doing this well. I think that it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. There is, I mean, there's a lot of liability. There's a lot of compliance. There's a lot of things and structures we've put in place to help guide this process. But at the end of the day, the field we're in, it leads a lot to design, to innovation, to accepting variability, to really dialing into the local level, to the student level, to the site level, and not one size fits all. And that leads to, we need some creative solutions. Um, so I think for creative people, special education is the place to be because you've got all sorts of cogs in this wheel that you have to kind of factor in. And when your outcome is, well, you just want to support them and you want to, to bring better outcomes for students, um, kind of working with all those cogs becomes like a big puzzle and, and it just brings out a lot of, a lot of this culture um, of vulnerability and, and acceptance and acceptance of ideas. And it, it's just a great place to be. Yeah, I think I really like the analogy of a puzzle because it, it, it's a reminder that not for all, so there's a definitely a stage in the design workflow that is like the ideation stage of it that is like a puzzle in the sense that it requires you to have a play, a playful mindset, right? Not solely for the purpose of having fun, though that usually does happen and that's great. Um, but because that's actually the mindset that creates the the new ideas, right? And I and when I think of you know when I watch kids play, they're not evaluating an outcome of what they're about to try, right? They just go and they try it. Like sometimes it doesn't work, and sometimes it does. And as I listen to y'all talking about that, that that willingness to to be like, you know, I think so. When I think about our work together, I think there was at least one time, if not more, that we had built like a prototype and then had you show it to somebody and sort of came back and were like, yeah, that didn't quite turn out the way I thought it was going to, which is like, you you almost want that to happen because that's where the learning happens, right? And y- y'all are doing like this podcast that we're really excited about. Um, and I think that came after um, that sort of first try at, you know, at, at, at doing it. Um, I often wonder why, because I so relate to the idea of, you know, as an educator, we want it to be right the first time. I put a lot of pressure on myself for that. Um, and so this idea of like, no, let's like, let's create an environment where it's safe to mess up a few times so that we can learn. But it's amazing how new that felt to me and how uncomfortable it is to like anybody that we introduce that idea to. So I'm going to throw this question out to the whole group. Anybody feel free to jump in. Why is, why do you all think it's like, that's our, first off, maybe, am I correct in thinking that that's kind of the the default culture in, in special ed, but, uh, and if so, like, why do you think that is? I mean, if I walk in as a service provider and I say, I don't know, you are, you are viewed as that expert. You should know. Mm-hmm. And these are, I mean, these are complicated across the board Uh, but we're really not it's not okay to say i don't know and i think that's a cultural thing yeah Mm -hmm. 
I get but phone it, calls all the time that are just these unique, one-off, like, you know, nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I felt that part, in part through this process with y'all that I have learned um, and, and significantly benefited from initial reaction of, I, I don't know, but let's, let's go find out. Let's think this through. Let's, you know, ideate the ramifications of decision A, B, and C. Uh, and it's, it's sincerely not only improved my ability to do my job, but the relationships that I've made um, throughout ourselves in particular, where they're like, I, it's, it's, it's all right. And now it's a team. It's not mm -hmm. just somebody calling up, looking at, for me as a, as a reference uh, or the library to, to just spit out answers, you know, because I'm, I'm not and it's not much fun to be. So it's way more fun to use this process uh, in, a, in a real life situation. So mm -hmm. it's, it's good that we're, that we're um, moving away from Mm -hmm. Moving into a place where I don't know is is okay, and a couple mm -hmm. of versions uh, are all right um, and even expected. Brian, if I may, I think uh, when we share that expert role with the people that are contacting us for help, we in the process just show our own vulnerability. I think which strengthens their stance because I, you know, I often listen and say, "Oh, wow, that's a really unique question." you know, I'm not sure. Let, let's process through this together. Let me go make some phone calls and check. And then let me come back with you. And I set that time up, right, for the follow-up. And it helps validate their, or it helps eradicate their fear of asking questions, right? Because yes. that's part of the whole system. And it also lets them know, like Nick said, I'm, I'm here to be your support in your team. There's, there's no bad answer, which we try to teach our students that no answer, no question is a bad one. Why would we do anything different with the adults in the education system? Um, and ultimately, we're stronger as we build capacity across everybody, as all the players. I don't want to be the person with all the answers. I mean, I joke around with when I was a SPED director, I used to say, when I get run over by a bus, you all need to know how to run the, the department without me. <laughs> so I, you know, it doesn't matter how far up you go in the hierarchy, that's always going to be true. I just want to add on, add on to this is that it goes back to, I guess you got, uh, I think it was Jeremy, you mentioned this culture and that's part of the culture, the traditional culture that we've been a part of. And it gets to the point that once I'm not out of compliance, it's done, but we need, going back to innovation, if you think about it, when you get to that top, and you think it's over, you lose motivation. But if you are always thinking continuous, you're looking at the data, you're looking at the, the system itself to make sure you're constantly looking at where you can improve the system. It's never ending. And I think that goes back to our advocacy for our students with um, special ed or students with disabilities. It gives them the ability to know that there's always advocacy fighting for them because we're continuously looking at our system to see how we can provide support. I think all of this is like is so real because I'll never forget like as a younger educator the first time I heard somebody more senior that I respected say yeah I'm I'm not sure I I know the answer to that question we have to figure that one out and I remember thinking like are you I didn't know you were allowed to say that <laughs> right right what do you mean you don't know what do you right. mean <laughs> but like to you know to your point Olivia like you know we have 
we do have to we have to model that right and i think there there is a part of it look you know we are in we have a our jobs have high stakes right like we're making these really important decisions for kids so mm-hmm. i don't think any of us are arguing for a situation where we experiment where the consequences can be you know harmful not saying that at all no um, but rather when we're trying to design solutions for these really complex problems how can we create little uh you know jeremy used the word think tank uh, earlier how can we create li- these kind of these environments where we can try out small ideas role play them act them out say them out loud like jeremy said and you know watch them sort of fail in real life so that we can learn um that is i that idea has been so far for our project and and certainly with our work you know with shasta has been this like we it's hard to imagine doing work now without doing that. I, if I ever face a situation where I've got to create some content and get in front of people, and that'll be the first time anybody has seen it, it's now that is the most terrifying thing. Whereas I need to, I need to get that thing in front of people at least a couple of times before, mm-hmm. you know, before I say it. Um, yeah, so, now you're all spoiled. It's, there's nothing but, yeah, you've got right. version one through five. And yeah. next time somebody asks for a live dry run of something, it's going to yeah, be like, right. wait a minute. Yeah. This is not how I operate. No, no. <laughs> we need to design. <laughs> yeah. And so that's I a good thing, I think. I want to touch back on that culture piece of that, though. Um, there is an expectation in, in, I mean, as a consultant or as somebody who provides professional development, who trains other people, mm-hmm. um, it's really, really kind of a strange thing where it's not as common as, as it should be for Ryan. Like before I present something, I bounce it off another person who's presented before. Like that is, right. that's not too common. There's people who do that. Mm-hmm. And I believe thoroughly believe that they have better results from that. Um, it's something I've adopted recently, but not historically it was like oh i'm going to create this and i'll work on it till midnight the night before and then i'm going to present to this group of strangers in the morning on something that i was overtired and now i'm going to believe that this is going to have impact and it's just kind of this cycle of thinking that um it's a, a bit too much confidence and it it's mm. something that we kind of got to drop down to say we know the power of community and mm. and there's a quote um no matter the problem, community is the answer. And if we can build, build that community within how we approach these roles in county offices to say, hey, I'm working on this and I'm transparent about it. And this is my project, but I need it to be our project. And to say that without a mindset of delegation or look what I'm doing or whatever the the weird constructs we've created, if we can dissolve that and say, I am authentically saying, I have an idea. I want to know what can happen from it. And I want your honest input. And I want you to critique it. And I want you to say exactly what's on your mind. It's a weird space for a lot of people to be in. And I don't know how to really overcome that. I I believe in our organization, that's generally pretty strong again coming back to leadership and innovation but in other organizations and especially teams i've been part of it is not well received for me to just mass share out hey i want some feedback on this 
because it's like, why are you showing me this? Right. Like, I don't get what, what are you doing here? What's your angle? Yeah. I'm not yeah. wildly surprised that that's weird or new, if you think about it. Right. You went to 20 years of education whereby you had assignments, 99.5% of which you did by yourself at your house. <laughs> The night before, and you stayed up till midnight, and you, <laughs> the day it was due, and you were overtired, and so the effect on whoever was uh, critiquing it was, was this was built in a silo, and here it is. I wonder if we shouldn't. Um, I feel like we're all advocating for some project-based learning or something, but um, <laughs> it's something to think about. That's how you, when you're given direction, you take it, you fix the problem, or answer the question, or solve the the issue and deliver the product mm-hmm. by yourself yeah. uh, with no, with no formally, with no uh, even thought to have this viewed or, or critiqued by anyone else because only one person needs to see it. I, I see you're going to inherit. I, I see like you're inherently building up your own confidence and your own need to defend that project. Because you created this and you know there's yeah. a violation behind it. Because it looked great to you at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And and so if I roll this out, I need to defend why I rolled this out. So I think it's how do we address that culture? How do we mm-hmm. how do we say no, it really is okay to transparently work on a project mm-hmm. and ask for input. Part of it is just actually saying that. I mean, Marcus and I, we got some feedback yesterday on like three questions and we always started with be honest. Like, it's okay. You're not going to hurt our feelings, you know, because that's why we're coming to you. You're the expert. You tell us what's wrong with this. We know there's something wrong. Help us see it. And it's empowering. Like people, we're building this base of people who, who want us to call on them to give us feedback, which is, I love. Yeah. Yeah. We're giving them the voice that they've been asking for because we've kept things so siloed, even within our own districts and suffers sometimes. Regarding distance learning, I think when, when, when those resources rolled out, you saw some so many collaborative teams coming together and sharing resources. And, and you think about that. We could have been doing that the whole time. Mm-hmm. Could have been learning how it, what, what, what different things look like in different, different areas. If we had thought about that. So I just think there's a whole new way to look at working in collaborative situations versus being decentralized and working in silos. So hopefully there's a couple of lessons from distance learning um, that we aren't going to just move on completely, go back to way we were two years ago and, and like it never happened. I, I think there's got to be a couple of things that we're taking forward with this that have really changed the landscape and, and deepened the toolbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a in a way that, like you say, you'd never have known about because we were not thinking that way. And mm-hmm. maybe necessity is the mother of invention, but however we got here, we did. Mm-hmm. Um, if anything can be gleaned as a positive from this experience, maybe maybe a couple of these these takeaways mm-hmm. are it. You know, it's it's interesting. We were as we were prepping for this uh, this episode, we exchanged some emails and just kind of showed y'all's questions got your reaction to it and um one of the things that you said in the email i deliberately sort of not didn't pursue it because i wanted to hear what what y'all meant meant by it and um and you said that you wanted you you wanted to have some conversations around being a support network for special education in the county so so in shasta 
and uh, and there's there's a couple of words in there that I like a lot, and I'm very intrigued by what this means to you. So, uh, so Jeremy, let, let us know, like, what what's your what's the thinking behind uh, that project? How is uh, how is how is Shasta County Office of Ed being important? So, my my second day on the job, I pitched an idea. Uh, um, I had all these metaphors for it. It was, I should have run it by somebody. I didn't have Nick at the time. It was just this pitch of who knows. Anyway, the, the core concept behind it is we have a lot of our districts have one or two special education teachers in the district, um, or on the site. And it's just a very siloed group and it's, it's not really intentional. It's really by caseload, by necessity, by budget. I mean, whatever that factor that's leading to that is, or variety of factors. So the core purpose is trying to recreate kind of what we're talking about here. How do we pull a network of special education teachers together who may not have any other special education colleagues to have a space where they can talk, to have a space where they can hear whatever it is that might benefit them. So what we, we did is um, we have our meetings, we open that up and we say, here's some updates, here's some different things that may help you um, try and get a, our, our pulse of what's going on in the sites. And then we release like just a conversation with special education teachers and it's at the teacher instructional level. This is something for your classroom. Um, and so this is year two of that and it's, it's expanded. Um, and now it's expanded into office hours where Nick and I literally set aside an hour every other week and we sit in an open Zoom call and whoever drops in and just needs to talk can drop in and talk with us. And our goal is to say, you can say whatever it is you need to say about, I don't know what to do with this, this situation. I don't know how to write whatever this is. Uh, I'm working through an SST process and I, I'm hitting some walls. What, what do you think? And we're, our goal is to create that space of we're here to thought partner. We're here to listen. You are not a silo. You are not alone. And, and creating that as just an ongoing open door. Um, so far, so good. <laughs> it is good. I, um, it's, it's, it's genius is what it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll tell, I call him Spider-Man because his, his real, his, he's got a lot of talents, but the greatest one I think is that spider makes a web, right? And so his, his genius is just creating these webs of people and phone calls and oh, I know that, like this person over here and like, don't worry about it. We'll talk to San Diego about this. And like, oh, you know, Jenny from down the road, she knows, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing. And it's super effective and it's a lot of fun. And you can ask a question about anything and he knows somebody who's a, pretty much an expert in it. Um, but so, and so the support network is the, uh, it's a perfect, you know, physical ideation of that, that, um, that effort to to build connections and to give these 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 hardworking educators around the county a lot of times, like you're saying, these smaller schools, 
they may be looked on as the special ed expert. If there's a question from anybody in that school, including their boss, you know, they, they're the resource. And so they, they need a place to go. Um, whereas it's a slightly different atmosphere and safer to say, I, I don't know what this is. Can you help me? Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's genius. The support network and um, now office hours, I'm pretty excited about as well. But um, yeah, very fun. I love the uh, spider web imagery because, you know, earlier we were talking about what it's like to work where the five of us work in the system, which is in this like outer ring part. And I think we all have a little bit of a fear of it's so far away from the classroom that you, you know, you, you lose on yeah by necessity right you you um you you have to that's uh um that that comes with it right um i think the question asks is like what do what do we get in return that we can give back to the classroom that is unique that's sort of a question you know that, that i think about a lot and i think like the spider web imagery does pretty well to answer that question because I think the inverse of being in that sort of outer ring where you're less connected to the classroom is being in the center ring where you are ultimately in you are uniquely in touch with the practical realities of the classroom. But the trade-off there is none of the outer system in the network is visible to you, right? For again, by necessity. Like this is by default. Yeah. yeah that's sort of the way that that job is. And so there is something that's a little bit of a, like a synergy there where it's like, well, you know, we can't claim to know the, the reality of what y'all's day-to-day work is. And so we go to you to tell us that story so we can be sensitive to it. Um, but in return, let us connect you with folks that you wouldn't otherwise have access to. And, and, I, yeah. and I think that that is a, like a really like interesting sort of you know, way, way to think about the, the way this holds. Um, okay, so we're about at the end of our time, and so I think this is a good place to wrap up. But before we, uh, but before we uh, we close, we wanted to end with with a positive and, and sort of uh, fun fun question. That, and that question that we picked for today um, was when this is all done, when you know we reach the level of vaccination where kids are freely moved around. Um, what is the first thing? that y'all are going to do uh, outdoors. Nick, let's start with you. No idea. Outdoors. So, I mean, I go outdoors a lot, but here, here, I'll tell you what I miss the most is a handshake, right? So I'm trying to think of some, somewhere I miss meeting people like that with a handout and hi, how are you? Here's my name. Um, probably go to a, a game of some kind, right? A sports, I, I don't even know what season it'll be. I have no idea who'll be playing, what'll be playing, but uh, when we get there, that's that's probably what I'll do. Yeah. Jeremy, what about you? First thing, when we can move around freely. So there's a game I play. Um, and I, I saw this and it just immediately kind of came to mind. When you go to Olive Garden and they have that Parmesan and you kind of play chicken with that process of how much are they willing to go before like, Tell me when to stop. Yeah. Oh, I, I miss that. Okay. It's this quick interaction where I'm not bluffing and I will just keep going and you can put as much cheese on that 
on my soup as you want. Like, <laughs> stop you. And I miss that interaction. And it's a <laughs> mental game that I love playing of I just keep a straight face <laughs> and we just keep that going. And I just, yep, playing chicken with Parmesan at, at uh, I can't wait. You're totally blank. I, I try. I, I mean, I, I think you're not throwing cool. out the signal like I got all night. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so and internally, an island just, in that soup. It's fine. Like you know me, I'm dying laughing inside that this is a yeah. situation I'm in. But I have to. It's just this like I got to keep composure here. That's how much cheese I want. Thank you for this amount. Like oh, it'll be good. That is amazing. Well, okay, we definitely know then when we can all get together for lunch, we know where we're going because I must Olive Garden, yeah. Yeah. I must observe this in real life. It's gonna get really awkward though at soup time because we're all gonna be staring at you like that. All right, Jeremy Nick, thank you so much for doing with us doing this with us. Like we really appreciate it and always have so much fun working with y'all and, and we hope that 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 uh that y'all will come on the, the show again um before we uh before we wrap things up jeremy when can where can the, the audience reach you if they want to collaborate um yeah if there's there's show notes whatever that might be my email um always readily available okay. jsawtell at shastacoe.org and questions comments anything i'm always i mean uh, hopefully that was stated pretty well in this episode thought partnering is one of my favorite hobby hobbies so yeah yeah and i think you are on twitter also right i am yes okay all right uh well so we'll put that handle in the notes nick where, where can folks reach you email is probably best and serist s y double r i s t at shasta coe dot org or two two five zero one zero four. got it all right this has been the ed podcast you can tweet at us on Twitter, E underscore D underscore and underscore D. I'm Ryan Estriato, and you can reach me also on Twitter, Ryan S R Y A N E S. And we will talk with you next time.